Right, okay, a very good morning to you all and welcome to Manor Hamilton this morning. We are live uh, this morning from the WA Centre in Manor Hamilton in the premises of the very futuristic Futurecast. And indeed, it's the future of the local councillors we'll be talking about between now and 10 o'clock this morning. And we have more local guests to join us after that. But we're here as part of our tour of all five of the council electoral areas in our franchise area to hear from the elected uh, councillors to uh, see what they have achieved or what they believe they have achieved and to get a sense of the priorities locally uh, for the next year and a half before the next elections. So we are here live with six councillors in the Manor Hamilton uh, district electoral area, uh, namely uh, Mary Bowen and Justin Warnock of Fianna Fáil, uh, Sean McDermott and Frank Dolan of Fianna Gael, Sinn Féin's uh, Porrick Fallon and independent councillor Phelan Gurn. And before we begin, as is customary, let's have a quick reminder of who said what on the campaign trail on our pre-election councillor debate back in May 2019. I promise I will give 100% to representing you, the people of North Leitrim. I'm an experienced and dedicated councillor. I believe I have a good track record of working hard. I've never been afraid to speak out on issues, even if it's against my own party. I spent all my life working in community development. The people of North Leitrim trusted me five years ago with their vote and I would ask them to lend me that vote for another five years. I have been honest with them and I've worked hard for them and I will continue if they vote for me. There's a lot to be done and there's an awful lot more, more, to, more to do. There's so much uncertainty. You need a strong voice and you need somebody that can step up to the mark. North Leitrim is a better place to live thanks to the different sources of funding that have been channeled into North Leitrim over the last five years. If re-elected, I hope in my own quiet, effective way to continue to deliver and build on what is already done. If you want a strong voice for North Leitrim, consider voting number one, McDermott. Track record, infrastructure, speaks for itself. N16 was mentioned earlier on. Summer school in Kilty Clower, I proposed a summer school in Kilty Clower many, many years before 2016 celebrations, with in mind to build up the, the profile of, of, of John McDermott. Uh, my first motion to Leitrim County Council called on it to commit to the principle of equal spend across the three LEAs. I have, and with your support, will continue to be a strong voice standing up for North Leitrim. I am committed to making a difference, committed to ensuring that my re-election will have a positive impact on North Leitrim, its communities and all of us that live here. I came as a strong independent voice into politics. It took me a year, a year and a half to figure out what was going on. I've delivered on as much projects as I can. Uh, our castle group has, has, has been set up. We got 100,000 of funding to make it a tourism hub. My interest was always tourism. Right, 0719118104 if you want to ask any question of our councillors this morning you can text or WhatsApp now to 083 3500 and we've lots to get through and we want to hear uh, from those of you in the North Leitrim area this morning what are the areas of concern uh, what do you believe needs to be done what would you like to see done and how do you think each councillor has performed over the past number of years uh, I, I'll start with you Frank Dolan you were talking about uh, making... Uh, Leitrim and North Leitrim a better place to live has, has that been has there been further achievement on that score do you think in the past couple of years well it's ironic <coughs> good morning Niall good morning to you and good morning to our listeners uh, it's <coughs> for me it's ironic that we should be sitting here uh, this morning in this wonderful development um, way back in the early noughties uh, long before the lads here were elected uh, I got a grilling uh, here uh, over this site because it was assumed that we sold the car park uh, 
rather than hand it over for a, p- a pound or a euro at the time. And look at what it has developed into. And it's a great, it's the buzzword now in Manor Hamilton. Um, and I'm delighted to see it. Uh, also, uh, great developments uh, going out wider, great developments at Glencare Waterfall, uh, car parking, bus, coach, uh, great facility. Uh, I was implicated in the tea house in getting it there, and it's great to see it as a thriving business there now. Um, looking to the future, uh, I made contact with Leitham County Council earlier this year and they have invested in uh, a derelict building in Drumahair and proposed to provide a library, a state-of-the-art library and a a working hub. Hopefully by that that stage that we will have broadband. Right, okay. Well, broadband is one of the issues which is coming up and we'll come to in a moment. Uh, Mary Bone, do you think, well, are you happy with what you have achieved in the past few years? Do you think it's been to the... Uh, betterment of, of people and their, uh, their lot in, in North Leitrim in particular? Well, what, what I've always done as a councillor is I've worked with the local people, with the local community. You know, you spearhead schemes as best you can, but none of us can work in isolation. And Frank mentioned there, you know, areas of Drumhair, the library, the, um, and the other thing was the hotel uh, that was derelict. You know, we all put a lot of uh, work into that and I campaigned yeah. uh, to have that um, refurbished and work is going on there at the moment. But, I, you know, we work with community groups and, and I have to say that the community groups really do a huge amount of work and we work with them. And sometimes they're forgotten in all of that. But as the way that I have worked is I've worked with the local people. You represent people in individual cases for individual personal uh, areas. Then you work with the community groups to enhance There's the GA groups, community councils, yeah. all of the rest. And I would feel that I have given 100% to anything that, that I have been asked um, to do. Yeah. And we continue to see improvements. And there are a lot, a lot of work to be done. But with the resources that we get, for example, in Leitrim County Council, we've... Uh, the local improvement schemes were disbanded for seven years. Uh, we campaigned vigorously, uh, and I was involved in that campaign, to have those restored. Um, they are restored now, and we did get extra money to try and work through the list. So I'm continuously trying to work within the okay. resources that we have to deliver the best service I can All right. to people. Okay, uh, Porrick Fallon, um, I, I asked one councillor, uh, their very first um, one of these debates, I asked him what, what marks out of 10 he, he would give to himself for performance, caused a lot of reaction at the time. Would, would you give you yourself no, a mark I, out of 10? I, I, I wouldn't be one for marking myself. Um, what I would do is, 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 is do my very best, and that's the commitment I made, and it's, it's a commitment uh, I hope that I'm living up to. And, um, you know, I would say that um, the marks or the grades will be given in May 24. And yeah. um, that, that's that's what I would think. Okay, uh, Phil Gurn, um I think this is this is your second term on the council. Do you do you see continued progress uh, for the region in general? I do, but no more than that. Getting into politics, nobody uh, can. Uh, you have to learn as you go along. Different types of funding. It's all, it's all new to anybody that runs for the council. There's no real help out there. You have to learn as you go on. I suppose I do see a lot of progress in 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 funding streams that has come along since uh, probably the first term there's, you know, we got funding there for a new car park at Sean McDermott Street at the same point in time we were getting ready for that, Bank of Ireland closed on us, you know, something that was shocking at the time and has a detrimental effect then we lost our our, our Ulster Bank as well on the the main street 
uh, which was more which was more shocking and now AIB is providing no real service either on the street I suppose really the, the funded streams that has come along we've seen there a demonstration stretch on the Carrick Road of the SLNCR mm-hmm. thanks be to God it happened just at the time of, of March 2020 whereas a lot of people is getting out and, and use it as an amenity and as a great benefactor to the town and, and walks and the more than myself and Sean here we, we keep pushing the SLNCR and that now is going to be delivered in this term but the first term we couldn't get it across the line, so there's. But we had to get funded streams for in place with that, and we had to put that in the national document in Stormont and the Irish government. Okay, all right, uh, Sean McDermott, what are your thoughts on where you're at in relation to services and uh, serving the people of North Leitrim? Yeah. Three and a half years in. Thanks, Niall. Um, Yaks Park there about about American scoring yourself, you know. And yeah. I know my school report used to say I all, I all, you should do better. So I can't believe that. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, you know. So do you, do you have to do better in relation to your performance as a councillor? Do you think? Well, you can always do better. You know, you can. Mm. We can all. We all agree to that. You know, I suppose. You know, in, in comparison to when we sat down before and had a chat before the last election, what has happened to you know, worldwide? The virus, the war, Brexit huge impact and, and, and to be able to, to survive and, and, and after, after them tragedies, I, I would call them. Um, I, I would like to say to, you know, uh, and, and indeed film uh, referred to the car park here. That mm. particular day, uh, the minister, Heather Humphreys, done a tour in North Leitrim. She was here in Marhampton. She went on down, uh, and a lot of them was tourism-related projects, down to Glenfarren, down to Resimver, Mm-hmm. Down to Tullahan, down to Kinlaw, uh, you know, re- reviewing pro- projects and announcing projects. You know, that's that's where we are at the, at the moment. And of course, the other, the other problem that we had and we have talked about is uh, in the last, I suppose, ten years uh, about the rural areas, uh, the vacant properties. Yeah. And in fairness to, to the two ministers, yeah, I, that, that have come up with this. Okay. Well, we'll be coming to that issue very, very shortly. Okay. I won't enough, on so. Yeah. Uh, just a, 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 an opening remark from you, Justin Warnock, and then we'll get into the issues that people are raising. Thanks, Good morning. Good morning to all the listeners. Um, the first five years were very difficult for myself because I, a lot of projects I had put in the pipeline, but as councillors know, usually there's a three-year plan and we weren't part of that first three years. But after that, a lot has been delivered in the last three and a half years. Like uh, Tullahan has been transformed. The access to the sea is almost finished. The cross field, the footpaths, uh, the intercon- even in Kinloch, the amount of work that has been done around, around the village, the local the local link service. It's a set, we didn't have a bus service from Kinloch to Bundoran and Ballyshannon. Now we have a seven times a day service, which has transformed the lives of the people of Kinloch. Because you've got to remember, Kinloch now is a population of over twelve hundred people, so it's it's a growing town, mm. and there's a lot of there's a lot of more more services needed. But in relation to a lot of other things, I probably. You know, I've, I didn't really burn myself out, but I'm involved with uh, Save Leitham, the, the forestry, the forestry issue. I in Leitham County Council, I got them to ban the use of glyphosate as a weed killer on all public places. And um, I sort of involved with the kayak club in Kinloch. It was hard to believe that the pier at Kinloch Village is in the ownership of Bundoran Anglers. So I got a lease on it. So that has transformed. There's a massive kayak club there now in Kinloch. But I'm just saying, not as Councillor Bowen said and others said, we're only as good as the people that surround us, mm-hmm. that, work, that we work with, the communities that we work with. And thankfully, over the last few years, I have come to know an awful lot of very good people and they are believing and delivering for okay, Kinloch. Okay, and well. that's the key. All right, okay, let's get to some of the questions. And, and in fact, I was listening back in full to your debate 
in 2019 and every one of you uh, made this point and one councillor in particular said that we, we need people so badly to live in Leitrim. Um, has that happened, Porrick Fallon, or not? Uh, and again, it's coming up time and time again all week, depopulation in Leitrim. What are you doing to attract more people yeah. well, to live I, and work in Leitrim? There is, there is, there is, is a reversion that trend, but it, it, it's small, it's minor, you know. And I suppose, um, I know around me and, and, and I travel throughout the whole area and, I, you know, there are numerous examples where we see um, old properties back in use now, selling, um, you know, they're, they're snapped up immediately. We're very fortunate to live where we live. You know, we, we, we really do live in a beautiful place, mm. um, for the most part, naturally unspoilt, and um, a, very, a very safe environment too, for the most part. And, and it, it is, it's attractive to individuals. And I know... We all talked about this previously during the lockdowns. You know, uh, the number of individuals, I suppose, that came to North Leitham because there were places that they normally went and they weren't able to go. And everybody that I spoke to, and I believe it's the same for, for my fellow councillors here without speaking for them, were amazed with the beauty of North Leitham. Yeah, beauty is one thing, but it, it, does it bring jobs and investment, Phelan Gurren? What, what are your thoughts on on that the depopulation and you uh, yourself refer to banks being closed we have rural guard stations being closed does all that make a difference well it does trying to attract people it does but the only thing that i i do see and we're, we're very very lucky here is the amount of uh, say manor hamilton's a population of 16 or 1700 probably now that we have about 11 1200 jobs we're one of the, the unique towns we have mm. a strong manufacturing hub we have mci we have um Marinda, we have Alastair Metal, and we have we have coils. We have we have a serious amount of jobs. The one thing that I suppose really that we're starting to see now is is the lack of actually accommodation. That's that's in in the actual town here. I suppose that's that's yeah. the main thing where well, people it's, are coming it's, it's trying still, to move. It's still the case is not there is not one hotel in North Leitrim. Is that right? Still. Well, that's the only negative thing that I would say as regards the SLNC or the Greenway coming. We were taken down and we've seen what happened in Waterford but when I came away from it I was saying to myself uh, at the end the one thing that's going to kill us about the Greenway coming is the, la the lack of bed space. We unfortunately we never got a hotel in, in, in Manor Hampton um, and, and that's one thing that we have to work on on our, on our, on our strengths. The, the one thing that will kill us is not having bed nights. Alright okay Sean McDermott and uh, I think you mentioned tourism back in 2019 again this morning. Is that the future for this area in attracting uh, investment, do you think it is indeed? And, and Phelan referred to the to the Greenway, and and you know, we have been crying out uh, the councillors in North Leitham for for a, a flagship project for North Leitham. It hasn't happened yet; it's it's getting closer all the time. But we need that uh, Greenway from Sligo to Enniskillen. Even in my own in, in in my own parish, the development of the forest and lake will be a game changer. And mm. and, and right around the, the North Leitrim, there is tourism projects that's coming to, to a head. And in fairness, there's money there to develop these projects. And, and that, that will make a huge difference to, to North Leitrim. And of course, the bed nights is, is a big issue. That, yeah. that has to be solved, yeah. All right, okay. Justin, Warnock? Um, well, I... You see, I, I live probably in one, of the, in one of the areas that the growth is is out of, out of control the growth of Kinlock and the surrounding areas the amount of people that have moved in which and is a good or a bad be, thing do you think which is a good thing but it puts an awful lot of pressure on on the likes of myself to deliver services do you know 
Um, as I said, the population in the last census was 1,032. That was the Kinloch village. That, is, of course, is counting the people that actually sent in, put in their farms. But um, the, it would be grown out to 1,200. But within 500 metres of Kinloch, you have an awful lot of other houses, you know what I mean, yeah. in development. But uh, the good thing, I think it's good. I think it's positive. It's positive. And uh, the rollout now of this, how, the refurbishment grant, I can see already there's an awful lot of houses that will be done will be done up and have been bought in recent times but as you said about uh, tourism there I think one of the biggest game changers for North Leitham w- would be uh, is it it was con- international park so similar as I've mentioned this before but it's something that's on in the in the in the new county development plan but it's also on the region northwestern region development plan so it's you know, it's something that should be looked at and it's something that we could progress considering the UK has left the EU and uh, 14, I think it's about 14 national parks that were lost. Okay. So I think we, and as everybody agrees, we live in an area of outstanding natural beauty and it has, it's unspoiled. So let's let's develop it and let's okay. develop it for, for the future. All right, Mary Bohan, um, do, do you see continued development or are, are you pessimistic about the future of... Um, no, actually, um, no, I would be optimistic. Keeping more people to, I would to be stay optimistic about the future of Leitrim. I think under the with the rural development grants that we've drawn down and with the uh, grants for refurbishment of houses, which both are, are long overdue, I think this is going to make a difference. Uh, people are looking a lot more now to quality of life. And I've spoken to people that have moved, particularly one family that have moved um, to Leitrim mm-hmm. and the family with children. And they told me that, you know, they were up at six in the morning, taking young children out of bed, uh, going to a crash, spending an hour and a half maybe in traffic. The same on the way home. They came home, uh, had their dinner, got the children to bed, packed lunches and everything for the next day. And no, no, no family time whatsoever for themselves. Uh, they moved uh, to this area and uh, they're working in Sligo. And so they, 25 minutes from where they live brings them uh, into work. Mm. So they're home and they have that all that time to spend with uh, the family. Plus the fact that they're finding that uh, creches are not expensive are not as expensive as they are in Dublin. And plus the fact that they were able to buy a house which was much cheaper than they would have got in Dublin. So uh, people, I think, are looking far more at that now than the rat race, maybe that, that where they were living. And I think COVID uh, helped that as well because uh, people now can work from home in certain areas. And I know we're going to come to the area of broadband, yeah. uh, which is a, is a big um, area. But I think people do want to live in rural areas. And as... as Others have said, and Porrick said at the outset, it is a beautiful county. And I don't think we're ever going to get development uh, throughout the whole county on the scale that you might see in, in bigger centres, you know, like Galway or Waterford or wherever. Yeah. Uh, but if people, I think, can commute to work, you know, if people can come into Manorhampton to work from Drumcairn or go to Sligo or go to Carrick and Shannon, and okay. as well as that, we have the small uh, industries. And one of the things that we've got here in North Leitrim, which is fantastic, is we've got a wonderful um, arts uh, community and craft. Uh, we have uh, people in this area yeah. um, exporting uh, crafts all okay. over the world. All right. I want to bring in uh, Frank Dolan. I'll go to some more of the questions. Uh, Frank Dolan, is, is there enough being done or uh, enough in place to, to attract more people to, to stay and to come and live? Well, well there's no doubt, Niall, uh, since covid uh, uh, North Leitham especially has changed dramatically and it has become a place where people want to come and live mm-hmm. uh, and uh, generally speaking where they can maybe work uh, two or three days from home and, and uh, commute on, on the other couple of days. Uh, it's a safe environment, 
it's as Parik said, it's scenic and it's beautiful, and uh, there is no doubt, uh, in my opinion, that uh, it's a place that uh, people want to come and live. Right. Okay. Uh, should a son or daughter be allowed to have planning permission on their parents' land? Uh, a listener wants to know who wants to take that one okay. uh, first, Mary Bohun. Yeah, I think yes absolutely no. they should be. And you know, we've we've heard over the years where certain planners in years gone by were trying to herd people into towns and and villages, um, referring to them as hamlets. Mm. Um, people have lived on the land here for hundreds of years, and th- I am absolutely of the opinion that sons or daughters or sons and daughters are wh- whatever number of them that can should be allowed to live on the land if they wish to do so. And all of the councillors here and some people that have gone before us have been fighting over this issue of the T-test and we were promised that a solution uh, would be found and we're still waiting um, for that, for that solution, and it's it's discrimination okay. against and, rural people and, and to say st- that they still a problem. Okay, it's any, that they can't live on the any, land. Anybody else on, on that issue want to respond oh, to? I, it? I agree with Mary uh, that um, uh, a family member should should be entitled to build on family land, but our our biggest problem is what Mary's after really getting to, and that's the tea test, yeah. the quality of our soil. Uh, and uh, we we're years at it now, and we're very we're not a bit further on in yeah. in resolving the problem. And there's no way around that. Sadly, it, apparently it, not. It, it's, uh, it's it's a red line issue, and and uh, you can't cross it. I think the planners, indeed, uh, the present day planners yes. in Carrick and Shannon, are are very inclined to grant permission mm-hmm. to family members, but this is their big block. Okay. No, I'm sorry. I, I just like Justin. To, I just like I. I be a bit more positive because I've had a number of planned permissions on greenfield sites I've got through in the, la- in, the last co- in the last couple of years and I definitely agree a son and a daughter should but I would say the refurbishment grant will probably change a lot of attitudes as well because the old granny or grandpa home is still there and that's work that could be done on that you know so that leaves it an awful lot easier mm. we have to try and keep our young people here that'd be the most important thing all right okay Sean, Sean McDermott and Porrick Fallon Sean you know the this this new game changer for for the rural areas the the, the vacant properties. Yeah. I, I just hope that, that there's a, a reasonable approach because a lot of these houses has old septic tanks. The, the approach there is going to make a big difference because there's areas in North Leitrim, including my own, that hasn't that hasn't a house built since 2016. So like, and I would go back to to allowing family members, sons and daughters to build build their homes. But I think you have to look at an area. If you have an area that has been depopulated for a long time. You shouldn't worry about where that person comes from. It's different mm-hmm. where, 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 where maybe on the outskirts of, of towns and villages where, where the population is stable. Then you might have that. You might have sons and daughters being allowed to build. But All there's right. lots, lots of areas in, in, in the rural areas that, that are dying because of, of, of lack of population. So we have to sort that problem out. Okay. Uh, Pori Fallon. As, as we all know, for, for um, infrastructure in our towns and villages, our schools and, and such. And um, I, I certainly believe that they should and, and be on the record as that. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's about securing the future too, you know. We need, we need younger people in our communities. Um, I, we welcome younger families to the communities, but we also want to be able to retain those from these communities. 
Yeah, okay. Uh, Fellow Lord, do you want to yeah, make a quick uh, comment? Yeah, on listen, it's, it's, it's been an issue before I got on the council, it's still an issue. I suppose the example here that we all use is, is Colry and Sligo that you can build and you can't build in the manor where Frank is from. And a shock, mm. and you're, you're less than a mile away. I suppose the real problem here is I'm talking to builders and talking to the young people that are trying, is the actual cost of trying to build a property now at the, at the, at the minute has gone through the roof. So it's financially, it's gone from 80 euros a square metre, I think, to 240 to 260 square metre which isn't sustainable at the minute the other part of it is I suppose we were looking at like years ago we had ghost estates in our towns they're all gone they're all gone as Sean has said here I suppose really the, the game changer here is the derelict buildings that that the new grants have come. But the only problem that, that I'm seeing with that is that a lot of people are interested to have derelict buildings on the site, but it's just for first-time buyers to get to get the grants. That's the only downfall that I see with that. All right, OK. We'll, t- we'll take a quick break. We've lots more issues to come. We won't be able to get around to them all. Uh, join us again here from Futurecast in Hampton. Okay, welcome back. Broadcasting live here from Futurecast in the W8 Centre in Manor Hamilton. Lots of questions coming in. When is the day hospital coming back to Our Lady's Hospital? It's closed since COVID started. Uh, to date, not reopened. Lots and lots of questions about forestry, uh, which is to be expected, I suppose, and uh, one-off housing. Uh, someone else says, I feel too many eggs have been put into the tourism basket. There's an over-reliance in this particular area. Uh, ask the councillors about estates and drummer here, still not taken in charge by the council. Where is this at? It goes on and on like that. Let, let's talk about broadband for a moment. And all of you mentioned the importance of broadband. What, what is the, 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 the broadband situation like in this particular region in general? Is it, Mary Bone, is it acceptable or not? No, it's, it's not acceptable now because some areas is quite good as uh, people will know, other areas very, very poor. And just to give an example that I've been raising at council level uh, for the last couple of years is that uh, the streets in Drumcairn, for example, there's just one place, but there's problems all over the county. But in Drumcairn, the streets were dug up about three or four years ago and the purpose of it was to provide a high-speed uh, fibre broadband uh, to yeah. the village and to areas of the roads leading out of the village. And when all that was done and we had to put up with the, the digging of the streets and everything else, uh, we didn't have it in the village. And, you okay. know, you have to ask uh, government, who was in charge of this contract where did it all go wrong? We've been asking that since and we haven't got okay. any well, answers. You're, you're, you're part of the government. I am, but we cannot get an answer. We've had the broadband people to the council meeting and we're still none the wiser. Uh, for example, there where the enterprise units are, where we have six enterprise units, where the community centre is, where activity takes place. Uh, we've had several providers out there and since that, and they say they cannot do it because it's going to be too expensive. Okay. But the areas out the roads have it, which is great. But the actual village itself, and as I said at the outset, people now want to work from home and we've lost people to come into the enterprise units because of, because of this. that okay and, and, and we need to get an answer as to when like i mean one time before we got a map mapping of what was done in the county and areas that had it actually the mapping was wrong because some yeah. of the areas where they said they had it they didn't have okay it. can you shed any light on this uh, sean mcdermott so we, we we've had we have a national broadband rollout do we not yeah, supposed or, to have, but but it's, it's very slow, uh, and you know it's it's not working properly. And and some of the weaker areas, you know, and has been mentioned there earlier on about uh, people working from home, especially since the virus uh, kicked in. We have to do something about it because in in my own area, parts of Glenfarren has has good broadband, then this parts very patchy, and and, and that is the problem. You, you just can't be you're not consistent. So you need to have fibre to the home to be able to work from home. And uh, I think we're a long way away from that in many parts of North Leitrim. 
Okay. Anybody else wants to say a word about the broadband before we move on? Porrick Fallon. It's, 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 it's essential, and, and as, as others have said previously, you know, it's akin to electrification back 50, 60 years ago. Um, the value of it cannot be overestimated, and it's patchy throughout the municipal. Some, some parts have great broadband, some have very poor. And, you know, it's required now for, for educational purposes as well, as well as work purposes. And it is something that if we had proper broadband here, it would there certainly enhance the area and bring more to it. Okay. Uh, sorry. sorry, Justin, uh, yeah. yeah. I'd be very brief. Probably one of the other problems is North Leitrim, when we've seen the maps that was rolled out by uh, the crowd that's delivering, uh, North Leitrim was nearly off the map. Yeah. Yeah, there was great... great uh, areas up in the south. But our biggest problem here is, uh, uh, for example, in Kinnock, we're connected into Bundoran, into Donegal. So we're waiting for it to come from there. You know, we, have a, we don't have a great broadband uh, in Kinnock. And it'll be the same as where Frank comes from, Drummer Hare is connected to Sligo. So they're kind of a hindrance to us yeah. getting it. Well, you sort, you sort it out the kayaker, so you can sort out the broadband as well. Well, we're working on it. Yeah. It's, more, it's no more than Lennox's Bridge. Uh, well, I was going uh, to come to uh, Lennox's <laughs> Bridge. There's always I been suppose. a good, good no, cooperation, just... has there not, between the Donegal and Leitrim County Councils in in your particular area. It can be a source of difficulty, can it? It's a, Getting it, things. it has been a, a long source of difficulty, as you as you all know, uh, Niall, because many of the debates that has been over in relation yeah. to Lennox's bridge. Okay. Uh, sorry, just bring, I'll bring Frank Dolan on, in on yeah, this just, one. Frank Dolan. just to say, the, the most frustrating thing uh, about all of this broadband is that uh, somebody as close as Phelan is to me now can have it, and I can't. Yeah. And that's driving people uh, berserk. Um, it's, it's, it's very much all over the, the place. It's very much hit or miss. But the reality is that NBI uh, g- gave us a presentation inside the last six weeks. Yeah. And uh, really, they're talking about 26, 27 before we have a, uh, any kind of a decent rollout of broadband. And that's, that's serious. All right. Uh, sorry, Phelan, yeah. Niall, I suppose, listen, uh, Manor Hamilton here, back about 15 years ago, we were supposed to have state-of-the-art broadband yeah. fibre optic. We're still three years away on them maps that, that Frank is talking about. The game changer here, as everybody has said since COVID, is that people want to work from home. And you have to have good broadband to be able to attract people into your area. Yeah, and when you see where we are today in the facilities here, it's completely at odds, isn't it, with yeah. what, what is not happening when you see a, a facility like this. OK, yeah. somebody makes the point, if you want more jobs and investment in North Leitrim, allow more forestry and allow the gold mining. What do the councillors have to say about that? I don't know what planet that person is on because anybody who's taken a drive round North Leitham see the amount of forestry and the depopulation that has taken place as a result of it. And one of the best examples of the whole lot is Kiltitlahar. So, you know what I mean? We had a, a large village there with a secondary school in it 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And Kiltitlahar has suffered as a result of all the land around has been planted and who's going to live in that area? Okay, does anybody no. see any advantage in more forestry and allowing gold mining? Mary Bohan. Well, absolutely. If you take the gold mining, we spent seven years uh, fighting or eight years fighting a fracking uh, campaign. And, you know, we'll do the same thing with this gold mining and pay tribute to all the groups that are involved in that and and people in the environmental uh, side of things that are assisting us. But I think, you know, why would we have gold mining in an area that 
Frank can talk more about it. It's out closer to him. A beautiful area and have gold mining where they'll come in, destroy the place and go again. And absolutely no benefit. And we had the same thing that we had with the fracking to go around town. And you're convinced there's no benefit? No, no creation of jobs or local wealth Absolutely or like not. We were promised with fracking that there were going to be all these jobs. There would be specialist jobs. Then they're gone. I mean, we looked at what happened in, in the north where the, where the gold mining is going on. They've destroyed mm. the place, destroyed people's lives as they have done in lots of places. And uh, Justin has spoken about afforestation. You know, we have more afforestation in Leitrim per head or per population than any other place okay. uh, in, in the country. All right, OK. Well, well Frank, seeing as you're a name checked by Mary Bowen, uh, any advantage to your area gold mining? No. Or indeed, the, the more afforestation? That we were given down here in the local hall uh, in the community centre uh, was was frightening and it was very similar to, to fracking. And uh, in our uh, draft development plan uh, only uh, a, m- a month ago, we, we got a strong statement written into the, the draft development plan that we are totally against uh, gold mining in, in North Leitrim. And all councils agree with that. Look, what can you say about gold mining? The only, the, the only thing I see about the gold mining is that when these multinationals and corporates have extracted what, what they want, they'll pull it out and leave an awful mess. That's all that'll be left. A mess. Okay, Phelan, and then and then Sean yeah. McDermott. I, I suppose really we, we are being targeted. Leitrim has been targeted, as as Justin has everybody said, forestry, fracking, gold mining. Uh, that leads to depopulation for the first time ever in a census for the last twenty years. Leitrim has gone up to three thousand people. That's not by an accident. So I mean, people are starting to come. People are starting mm. to discover. And as 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 I always keep saying. There's going to be more jobs created with tourism than there is in them other industries. Okay, Sean McDermott. Yeah, and, and, and in recent days we have learned that you know the grants for, for forestry is, has increased, you know, and, and, and that's reality. Mm. Uh, you know, the two industries that you have talked about, Niall, don't mix very well with tourism. You know, there'll be forestry or, or gold mining. You, you, won't, you won't develop your, your tourism product with, with that on your doorstep. And, and they don't mix well with sustainable population growth either. Um, this person says, um, back in the 60s to the 90s, there was loads of jobs in forestry. Um, why put up the gates in North Leitrim? You should be locking them. Um, why are politicians spending money around Manor Hamilton doing unnecessary work, making roads narrower coming into Manor Hamilton from the Drumkieran side and all the shops and pubs closing? Well, speaking of premises closing, there is a question there about rural crime and the closure of guard stations and are the councillors worried about uh, rural crime in their area or not and is it an issue? Who wants to take that? Mary Bowen first. Um, well, we campaigned vigorously against uh, the closing of guard stations. All of us are here, I think we met with the superintendent when certain guard stations, Drumheer, Drumkeer and uh, Kilty were closing and uh, we were all on the same note that when you had the guards in the station, you know, they called out, we had, uh, I can only speak more for Drum Kieran, but we, the guards called out to visit elderly people. They were driving around, uh, they knew everybody, people trusted mm. them and would give them information, you know, about strange cars or, or suspicious, people acting suspiciously. Um, that's all gone now. Uh, so we don't we don't, we don't, don't have that service. And I know there's 24-hour service here in Manor Hamilton, but you know, on occasions they don't have enough uh, people, they don't have enough cars to, to go out. And I know that it's been raised in, in Kinloch as well. So to me, there's nothing better than having your local guard station. Now, we were told at the time that with the words that was used, we were going to get smart policing. 
Now, I think we had smart policing before that when we had the guards that knew the people mm. and were, were uh, available. Like, Drum, we were told when Drumcuran closed, Drumshamba was going to be our guard station. But Drumshamba don't have full hours. You know, you could go there several times. And for people who want to get passport forms or whatever, um, there's no point in going to a guard station if you don't know when it's open. But uh, that, that's, that's, I suppose, a minor part of it. But the other thing is the, the crime. And thankfully, we haven't had a lot of crime uh, in this area. But nonetheless, I think okay. it's essential that you'd have guards. All right, and okay. we, we've lost that battle that I can right. see now. Anybody else in, in the rural crime? Sean McDermott. Yeah, I actually have a at the next policing board meeting. I have a question down on on, on that issue of 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 the four gather stations that close in North Leitrim. You know, yeah. have we enough guards in Merhampton to compensate for the gather stations being closed? You know, right? Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, Sorry. Okay. Uh, Justin, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can say at the time they they were winding down Kinloch gather station, but I fought hard and fought tooth and nail to keep it. it it's open. In a sense, it's open. Very seldom you ever see them in out of it. At least the the lights are on and um, people can go there and get forms signed every, every now and again. But you're talking about rural crime. Uh, we know we're heading into the worst days, worst time of the year yeah. for rural crime. They come in and you know things happen at, at this time of the year. And I would be, I would like to see more guards on on the beat. And my, I've always said it's the person in touch with our guard, the Shiakana, not a, not a squad car or a, or a jeep driving around with a guard wave. You know what I mean? Not even waving to people, but. Yeah. All right, it's well, the, sub- the subject of, of much debate down the years, the N16 roads. Now, I think there have been improvements on the N16 road, as we know, and I know uh, one councillor at a previous meeting was complaining about the speed on the N16 road, so maybe that's a sign of improvement in, uh, in, in a way we really shouldn't mention. But is the N16 road, which is a major uh, artery, of course, we know, coming into North Leitrim, is it where it should be at at the moment, or...? Can I come in on that? Because I've been associated with that N16 for a long time. It was, it was one of my prior, priorities. I prioritised that when I got into the council in 2004. And I have, I have, I have seen a, a lot of realignment of that N16. Yeah. We're not there yet. One of the oh. biggest problems is, is about the N16. You know, it's a cross-border corridor, Niall. You know, what has Sligo done in the last 10 or 15 years? Uh, what has Fermanagh done from and, and the A4 from Inniskillen to Sligo? Because Le- Leitrim has done its part, though. It, so it, has it? it? By and large, it's 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 realigning the N16 on a regular basis, yeah. and and you only coming down the day you see that last part there in Glencairn, the the impact that has made. Yeah. But we need Sligo to, and and I have talked to people in Sligo and and, and even even the CEO in Sligo in recent yeah, times. I, I remember I remember times when the councils met, did they not, to dis, to discuss this a long time ago. We had a we, we had a four county cross border uh, working group at one stage, and and Leitrim, Leitrim, Leitrim done a lot of work since that uh, group was formed. Okay, the the N sixteen, on the yeah. N sixteen, and infrastructure in general and roads in general, but the N sixteen. Well, I, I keep mentioning it to any Sligo County councillors that here, listen, Sligo hasn't done, hasn't done the bit. As Sean has said, well, Leitrim has done it right to the bother at Glencare. We all know there by, by the lay-by how bad it is on the way in. You have to remember that Sligo is a, is a serious job hub um, and, so, and so is Fermanagh. For so, I mean, we are taking it seriously in Leitrim, but Sligo doesn't seem to be taking it seriously. They're all the N16. All right, OK. Frank Dolan. Yeah, yeah, I concur with the lads. Uh, Leitrim has done its part... Uh, both in Glencairn and in Glenfern, uh, and uh, Sligo hasn't. Now, Sligo are hoping, I think, this year to get a tranche of money for it. But my opinion is the, the biggest reason Sligo aren't too interested in the N16 is that they're not dependent on it. Uh, the, the N15 is their uh, priority. 
yeah. and, and the N16, as far as they're concerned, is not a priority. Uh, roads in, in, in general in Leitrim are exceptionally good uh, compared to other counties. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, we were extremely successful uh, last year in the LIS schemes. Uh, Leitrim County Council put in a bid and said if they got the money, they were prepared to do the work, and they did the work, and they have the waiting list down now to uh, a small enough number, another tranche of money, and that, that list will be exhausted. A couple of years ago, we thought we'd never see the day that that would be exhausted. Yeah, OK. The, the N16, anybody, anybody else wants to comment on the N16 before we well, come to a question? to support what Councillor McDermott has yeah. said, is this the main artery uh, to, from, from Anna to Sligo, and it's essential that, that it would be brought up to a, a proper standard, which it's not at the moment. Uh, and we just urge the other two you know, council, maybe it'd be a good idea to try and set up that working group again and, and get some pressure on. Uh, Niall, can you tell me why the rates for businesses doubled last year and how can businesses expect to stay open with ESB and rates so high? Did rates for business double last year? No. 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 Rates, well, I, I all know, we were all revalued in Leitrim and uh, my rates has doubled. As part of the ongoing budget of the local property tax, the rates did go up 3% this year. Yeah. And they have gone up. It's unfortunate, but the problem is for the council to get funding to do all these works that they're doing, they have to come up with money to secure these projects to get yeah. them across the line. Leitrim yeah. has spent 380 million of a project and they have to come up with 25 million to get these projects. So the money has come from local property tax and rates, unfortunately, that's where they get the money on. Okay, Mary Bowen. Uh, just to say, um, Nyland, to the listeners, that the revaluation of properties, the council have absolutely no say in that. Uh, that's done by the valuations office in Dublin, and we don't, we can't even make recommendations to it. It's a separate issue altogether. I wish we could, but we can't. But just to say, in other counties like Cavan last year, they increased their rates by 10%. Okay. And I think maybe they didn't increase them this year, but it's it's just you have to have uh, an you increase in the You kept them the, the same rates. in Leitrim, I think, did you? Did you keep yeah, it's three point five percent. This this year okay. was the increase. Okay, but suffice to say, you're you are conscious, I'm sure, all of you of the difficulties that businesses face. Absolutely. And and. Well, it's the cumulative impact, I suppose, now with, with 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 energy costs and and everything in particular at the minute. Yeah. Well, rates were reduced during the COVID period um, for yeah. business and there was a, a system of supports. The other thing is that uh, we were promised by the executive that the money collected would be ring-fenced uh, to provide the matching funding for the tranches of money that are being drawn down. And, and we are drawing down large tranches of money. We had the public realm in Carrick and Shannon, which yeah. transformed we have it in Mohol, and now we have it started in Manor Hamilton, and hopefully that it will give uh, the streetscape in Manor Hamilton a badly needed facelift. Right, okay, listener agreeing that there are, agreeing with the councillors there's plenty of forestry already in North Leitrim, no need for any anymore, and someone else, just to handpick a few texts, hard to listen to Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael councillors this morning complain about forestry and the planting of Leitrim when it's their parties that they're so loyal to that are responsible. Well, I think... Uh, to the four involved, I think you kind of answered that. Well, uh, uh, I'm to the four in relation to... I found a member of Save Leitham just over four years ago and we have fought and challenged the state on it and we have two high court cases. So, uh, And I'm a Fianna Fáil councillor, so I can stand up and be counted when when the push comes to shove in Leitham in relation to forestry. We, we or, just have or mine or any, any of them. A couple wind, of f- wind turbines either, Neil. OK, a couple of few minutes left, and I just want to ask each of you very briefly what you hope to achieve in the next uh, year and a half before. And again, I'm assuming all six of you will go for re-election. 
if you're not, you might let us know. But we start with you, Porrick Fallon. What would you like to see achieved in the next year and a half before 2024? Before 2024, well, there's a long list, I suppose, now, to be honest. Well, what would, what would it's you not... prioritise, so? Well, for me, it's around local infrastructure and infrastructure in the in in the municipal, and it's it's really things like uh, footpaths, foot lighting, um, traffic camming and bus shelters, you know, and the other priorities. And it's the stuff that's ongoing all the time. And I suppose, you know, your priorities change from time to time, I suppose. It depends on what you're dealing with at, at certain moment and yeah. moments and times, you know. Okay, Frank... Frank Dolan. Yeah, uh, I suppose personally, what I'd what I'd like to see is the, there's a well. First of all, there's a great community spirit in in North Leitrim, and uh, most of this money now that's drawn down has to be come from from community groups, and we have a great community group in Drumahair in the uh, Drumahair Development uh, Company, and uh, they have uh, secured funding for the Garda Barrack, the closed Garda Barrack. Yeah. And it's now it's just gone to legalities and hopefully that they'll be handed over the keys inside the next month or so. Okay. And that will, their plan is, which is badly needed, is to provide uh, child services, a creche, uh, a community centre. Okay, so you'd like uh, to see that progress? That all won't fit in the actual building, right. but the site itself okay. is very valuable. Uh, Phelan Gurn, what would you prioritise in the next year and a half? I suppose, like everybody is frustrated and it's down to Irish water, is that the taking in charge of more housing estates has been a key issue on the doorsteps. But it's out, it's out of our hands as regards the the quango that is Irish water. I suppose more infrastructure uh, projects like everybody is saying and to see the benefits that we know the SLNCR is coming and, yeah. to, and to be ready, not to be not to be waiting for it to happen, to see more beds, to see a hotel in North Leitrim. We are frustrated as everybody else is here, yeah. is there is a huge divide. We see the way Carrick is, 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 is growing and growing and growing. We see the way Drumshambo and Fairness is growing and growing. And we, have, we are getting jobs here. But no more than that, I'm not happy to see a lot, a lot of um, buildings on our main streets and things like that, okay. and our towns and villages closed. All right, but and that's they, they are some of the many uh, issues that you're coming up this morning. Sean McDermott, a final word from you. What? Yeah, well, I suppose uh, the survival of the rural areas, and, and that's about population, uh, however you solve it, it, that has to be solved. Uh, I suppose uh, the, the infrastructure that we talked about earlier on, uh, a continuation of that, uh, in my own area... Uh, the, the forest in Lake and Glenfarren, that's going to have a huge impact on Kilty and Glenfarren if it's developed. Uh, yeah. To get money for that. All right, okay. Justin Warnock. Well, I suppose the main thing, and uh, the, the works have started in relation to putting plans together, and it's Lennox's Bridge. That would be probably the, one of the greatest pieces of infrastructure delivered for the area. Yeah. When it's delivered, but also the uh, walkway and cycleway to Bundorn as well. But um, uh, I have just finished a study there, a plan for Kinloch, Tullahanaskill and Glenaid and um, that, when that's rolled out, that's a social, economic and spatial plan and we are meeting and working on it to try and deliver for, for the community. That's that's one that's going to uh, ongoing but the other, another one that's just about to go, kick into touch is a, a master plan or an action plan for Loch Melvin to improve water quality on Loch Melvin. That's working with the anglers north and south and the communities there, so there's a lot. There's a lot on, and um, we keep okay. going. And the fight, the fight with forestry and fracking and mining and all these things will will continue because I'm not going anywhere. So I'll be, I'll continue to fight. All right, okay. And, and finally, Mary Bowen. Well, I just want to tell Justin I'm not going anywhere either. So. <laughs> Mary, you're a long way from me. <laughs> 
Well, I, I, they were telling you the last to have a parking space and oh, you can not just watch watch the space. Oh, it has started already a year and a half out. Now, um, just to say what I'd like to see is, you know, everything that we can do to improve the quality of life and to encourage people to come in to live in our areas. There are too many projects all around the whole area, just to mention uh, one or two. But to draw down, to work with the other councillors as we've done, and we have a proud record in Leitrim. As many yeah. ministers have said to us, we've drawn down more money per head of population than a lot of the other bigger counties, so I hope we can continue to do that. But we really want to support the community groups, and was mentioned earlier, and we can't mention it often enough. Now, like some grants for footpaths, even in public lighting, have to be drawn down through the community group so they're doing tremendous work and they need to be acknowledged and okay. just listening this morning about water quality was all over the news this morning we have people still involved in, in many group schemes that we need to support and they're taken in charge of the estates we didn't get as far as that but we're working in the moment particularly some of the estates in Drummer here that are in a terrible condition and we've okay. been raising that all right. and it's just to continue to work give 100% to the people that supported us and that put us there to do the job that we're doing. All right, okay, that's it for the first part of today's show. I would like to thank all six local councillors for dropping by this morning. We know how busy they all are and we look forward to them continuing to make uh, North Leitrim and Leitrim in general a better place. Uh, After 10, we've lots more guests to talk with. We'll be joined by JJ O'Hara, Chief Executive of Futurecast from where we're broadcasting this morning, uh, by Mary Whitley, Finbar Toomey, founder of the Winterfest in Manor Hamilton, by Katrina Bergen, who'll tell us more about women in construction, and uh, Theresa Maughan of well-known local business Manor Boutique. That's all coming away after our brief 10 o'clock news with John. Okay, welcome back. A quarter past ten. We're broadcasting live this morning from the Futurecast premises here at the WA De Fabio's WA Centre in the heart of Manor Hamilton. I have lots of guests to talk to between now and 11 o'clock and we're joined now by the Chief Executive of Futurecast and our host today, JJ O'Hara, and we're also joined by Mary Whitley, who's the Head of Education with uh, Futurecast, and Carl Farry, who uh, is with Industry for Skillnet and is going to talk a little bit about women in construction. Uh, you're all very welcome and thanks for joining us. And, and I'll start with you, Mary. Tell us a little bit about your role here in Futurecast, head, head of Education. What do you do? Yeah, sure. So um, our remit, I suppose, is to provide training and education to the construction and quarry industries and I suppose get them ready for the adoption of digital technologies. So we're running training programmes here on 3D, uh, 3D construction printing, energy management, BIM, robotics, automation, uh, blockchain, augmented reality and virtual reality. So uh, it's an exciting space to be in, I suppose, at the moment. Well, and and a changing landscape as well, as we can see all around us. Very changing landscape. How advanced is this particular industry now? Well, I think we're at the stage where we're becoming more advanced and our role, I suppose, as well is to encourage uh, the companies in these industries to adopt digital technologies and I suppose by introducing the 3D construction printing courses we're looking at a disruptive technology here that will kind of challenge the traditional bricks and mortar approach to building and we're looking yeah. kind of using this technology to see you know can it build houses faster more efficiently and so, reduce costs. So, so what does that mean the 3D approach and we have uh, videos going on in the background explaining more but what what, what is, does it entail exactly? Give us some examples. So you're using the, uh, I suppose, the premise of, of 3D uh, printing and you're using that in a kind of more large-scale approach through a, a gantry and yeah. um, a nozzle head. So really what you're using is like a BIM technology. So there is um, an integrated um, software pack- package that's, um, I suppose, 
used, you integrate that into the uh, machine itself. And then yeah. basically the design dictates the pathway of the nozzle head on the printer. And basically that will just build your building for you as per the design that's in already in the software. Okay, and, and you provide training programs for those involved in the industry. Yeah, so we're yeah. taking people from start to finish, uh, introducing them to 3D print technology, first of all, that's the first step. And then the second step would be looking at the materials that would be used to build a, a building. So talking about the properties of those materials and how they work together, how they bind together. And then the next step would be actually looking at the technology, the pathway that the nozzle yeah. head follows based on the design. Yeah. Right, okay. Carol Farley is with us as well. Carol, you're welcome uh, and thanks Thank for joining you. us. Thanks, Women in construction. Uh, yes. And I, I shouldn't sound surprised at all, so surprised <laughs> at all. Well, that's something we really focus on here yeah. um, in the centre. And uh, we're actually hosting a workshop on the 9th of December here um, in W8 Centre in Manor Hamilton. Okay. So it starts at 11 a.m. until 3 p.m. and it is going to be really, really interesting. So it focuses on introduction to innovative technologies in the construction, quarrying and manufacturing industries. So this is open to women uh, in the industry and women who are interested, well, women not just in the industry, women who are also interested in technology. Um, you know, as we were saying, like it's really, this industry is changing so, so much yeah. and it's bringing women in uh, like it never has before. You know, so the whole bricks and mortar side of, while it's still really, really important, it has completely changed, you know. So basically this workshop, yeah, it consists of small workshops and there's lots of different things that we're showcasing. So as Mary uh, talked about, we have our 3D concrete, concrete printing. So we have an introductory class to that. We have uh, classes on virtual reality in the construction industry, robotics uh, experience, as you can see here with the KUKA robotics, yeah. BIM, as Mary talked about, uh, blockchain and health and safety, and also introduction to drone technology. So there's lots of really interesting things. Um, we also have our steering group chair, Katrina Bergen, uh, who's very well known uh, nationally, actually. So she'll be at the workshop. And uh, I don't know if you know about Katrina. People may, some people may know about her. She would have been very well known um, in women in Irish rugby. She kind of was really one of the heads of that. When she started out in rugby, people didn't really know that much about women's rugby. Yeah. And she really brought it to the forefront, yeah, okay. yes. So she, she's a, an advocate for women in construction as well. Yeah, Hugely so. Um, she was the winner of the big DIY challenge on RTE. Okay. And uh, yeah, she has a really huge following. So she works very closely here with us and she works. Um, yeah, she's great. So she is a brilliant uh, cheerleader for that. Okay. So more and more women becoming involved in this type of industry, which is, which is great to see. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's where we want to go. We want to attract more women into the industry and we want to you know, I suppose, make it a more diverse and welcoming industry as yeah. well. We're also working on an Erasmus Plus project, um, Femcon. So we're working with five European partners on that from Italy, Poland, Spain and France. And that's again to advance, um, you know, yeah. promoting women well, into what the is industry. Femcon? That's a... Femcon. So it's just, it, it's an acronym, I suppose, but it's basically, you know, Fem, feminine, I suppose, uh, you know, uh, and construction just combined together. But that project will be looking to 
um, I suppose, be an open education resource. So it'll be a website where people can go. First of all, first of all, if you're a young person interested in entering the industry, yeah. so there'll be a, a wealth of resources available to you there. If you're an educator, there'll be a section there for you on how to attract women into the industry and how to retain them. And then if you're a company, there'll be a section there for you on policies and procedures and, and things that you can enact, in an, sorry, enact as, a, as a manager to ensure that you have the best kind of practice, best policies in place to ensure that women feel safe and welcome in the industry. Right, OK. Uh, JJ is the boss, the chief executive, and he joins us now, JJ O'Hara. Um, who's well known? Of course, you're more used to high-profile Sky News interviews with Kay Burley on the on the Bridge and Black Line, JJ. Ah, sure. Look, you have, about you have to be cast. a part of all. You know, there's no point of being part of one thing. You know? Yeah, this is quite an incredible ah, this place we at, are. I mean, talk, talk about cutting edge. And yeah, we're talking with the councils about investment and maybe lack of investment. But you see what is happening here in a place like Futurecast and what can be achieved. This is a project, you know, that started about two years ago and it's a very exciting project. Like, it's it's about modernising the quarry and construction industry and the manufacturing supply chain to it. But, like, you know, it, we showed the idea first to Enterprise Ireland and they backed it. And, you know, it was about their backing that has helped the, the whole project develop. Like, jo- Joan Mullen and Aidan McKenna, like, you know, has been a real help here to develop this. We Then from there, we've uh, won another programme with Enterprise Ireland. Then we developed a Skillnet uh, in Industry for Skillnet. And then now we have three Erasmus programmes out of Europe. But I yeah. think, it, you know, the whole thing about this project is about the team that we have here, the board we have uh, together with. And like, just giving you one example, like we showed this project to IT Sligo at the time, Chris O'Malley. And he says, you know, the help that they gave us all along the way. And now uh, Chris is our chairperson of our board. So, like, you know, what's happened here is it just started a small idea. But as you know, we have 10 people employed within a year here. Yeah, you're only going 12 months. And what's your own background? My own background is construction, you know, and I felt, you know, the construction, it needed, you know, to be developed. Uh, The other lad, Shane Kerrigan, is from the quarry industry. So he also felt that, you know, we needed to do something to modernise the industry. I think that's what has happened here. And, you know, what we're doing here with women in construction is, look, at half our population wasn't involved in the construction industry. Everyone is crying out and saying, look, we haven't enough people doing the industry. We see 40 new jobs coming down the road. You know, some of the houses that we're working, some of the companies are making houses in factories. We have a 3D printer, first 3D printer in Ireland, first training in the world uh, for 3D printing. So, like, we have over 100 people gone through training in the last three months. So, we see about modernising the industry is very, very important. I'm over in Germany in January with uh, a system with Mega called Nkuku Robotics. So, we're 60 robots build a module house. You know, so these industries will, you know, develop out. And also just a couple of months ago, we brought in 18 kids from Marhampton and from Cairden. And I asked them first, I said, would you be involved in uh, construction? said no. Yeah. But then when I showed them our robotic dogs, oh, the 3D on. printing, the drones, they made all, all the, the difference. difference. Four of them of each class said mm. they would. You know, and I think yeah. that's very important here. Is about getting them young people interested and yeah. involved. So you're changing perception as well as everything else. Uh, look, at it, I think it is, but I think what we—it's the main thing—is get if we can get the young people involved and thinking what the new uh, jobs is, and also getting our, our major fifty percent of our population, the women involved, into the construction industry. That's where we can make change. 
Right, okay. Did you say 40 jobs coming down there? 40 new type of jobs coming in uh, into the construction industry. You know, so yeah. you take from uh, BIM technologies, building information modelling, uh, blockchain and health and safety. You have drone technology with uh, scanners, tachograph scanners. And each of these were doing courses, like we have a drone course going on in two weeks' time uh, with ETBs. And like, you know, this is, you know, it's changing technology, but it's changing ways of doing stuff as well, like. Okay, well, you've been very active and um, expressive in your thoughts on business in, in this region in general and, of course, the effects of Brexit, as we well know, and you're a well-known spokesperson and have been for years. Where do you think we're at at the moment in relation to that and how, uh, at, how is business in like general? We're, we're, you know, to me, like, there's been good programmes uh, developed out of that and we have Bormac and it's called Gemma. It's going on in, uh, today in uh, North Donegal. Uh, which programs as companies has come together to look at working together because of Brexit. And I think that's going to keep developing, you know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, I think what Brexit has happened, right, there's huge negatives, but I think there's a lot of positive come out of it as well. Uh, next week, we're meant to meeting Intertrade Ireland, working with education, north and south. Skill Ireland are looking at education, same with ETPs, north and south. So look at, while there was a lot of negatives, there's some positives coming out of it, and it's about people working together and how we work more closely together, north and south. Uh, and considering when, I think, it was, was it 2016 was the vote? Uh, we were as well prepared as we could have been, do you think, as, as yeah, a country, think, as a government? Look at, I think, and I, but I think there should have been probably a wee bit more, you know, media uh, coverage. People were taught it wouldn't go through, you know, and yeah. I think, you know, right across the young people, in, you know, in Ireland and in the UK didn't think it'd go through. You know, you take 73% of under 25s taught they voted to stay in the EU. 62% under 35s voted to stay in the EU. And that's the pity where I see it is about the young people that has been let down there on that vote. But look at time can change. Everyone gets older. Politicians yeah. will change. We'll see what happens. Okay, can, can you explain your what what's on the video that we see? This, this is... This is a, a an arm of your business in Drogheda, is, is that correct? Yeah, so we have this base in Drogheda. Um, it's a 3D printer. We just done there three weeks ago. We done uh, one story in less than six hours. Uh, the whole idea here is uh, it's a seven seven meter high. There's another machine coming and it'll be able to print three story building. Um, where we see it is, you know, what is the material we can print on this? What is the low carbon? We're yeah. working on different ideas on their insulated concrete to develop different visions and that. You know, so like while people say concrete is a high carbon material, you know, it's about longevity as well. You know, like Niall, if you have a coffee cup, people calculate the carbon and that, yeah. but that can go within 10 minutes into the bin. You know, concrete will be here for the next 100 years. And it's about where can we re change that? We're putting in a full new INAB science lab here next year. And I think that's going to make a difference too, because it's about science. What science can we bring this into the building industry as well? All right, okay. Did, did, did you start at the very bottom in the construction industry, JJ? Bricky by trade. Were you? Yeah, definitely. And out on yeah. sites and, you know, but I keep it, you know, uh, keep the hand in there too as well. Yeah, but that's good experience, isn't it? The best it is, of... you know, and I think, you know, young people and, uh, you know, I was down at Cork and I was just, there was 16 of a class with ETB and they're all bricklayers and it's the first time now in the last few years they had a full class. But I think where it changes is mixing digitization with trades, you know. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's where we see a big time. Now, there's another thing. We lose a lot of our industry at 40 years of age. 
we have an idea here that we can train and retrain these people into digitalization because you know it's a pity to see them leaving and that knowledge leaving because bricklaying and plastering are very heavy on the body yeah so our thought process here with dtvs is how can we change that and how can we develop that out too all right okay uh, for now jj thanks for joining us and thanks to mary and to carol as well for joining us here at Futurecast this morning. Right, 071-911-8104 is our number to call this morning. You can text or WhatsApp now to 083-3500-530. Right, we're going to uh, stay away from politics and from business to a degree for the moment because our next guest uh, with us this morning is Finbar Toomey, who's the founder of Winterfest in Manor Hamilton, and he's just off night duty, isn't that right, Finbar? That's right, You, you yeah. work at MCI in, in Manor Hamilton. I did indeed, finished at 8 o'clock this morning. All so. right, well, you must be tired, <laughs> but we won't, we won't keep you too long. There's oh, a nice bother. strong coffee there in the corner if you'll keep, <laughs> keep you going for a while. Indeed. Winterfest in Manor Hamilton. How did you come up with a concept like that? Yeah, well, I guess it all started back in August. We um, tried to bring the, the Wild Rose Committee back together. Yeah. Seeing as we've been held up with COVID the last couple of years and just trying to revive the thing again. And um, a young lady that was working with me in MCI by the name of Lauren Farrell came on yeah. board. And Lauren was very motivated and just came up with an idea. Maybe we should try a Christmas market. And it was just a floating idea at the time. Yeah. And we didn't think much of it. But as we you stole it from Copenhagen, is that right? Yeah, we, we had our, um, our trip away, our sports and social club trip. And she um, advised me to go to the Tivoli Gardens. Yeah, and to get get an idea of what um, she had in mind. Now, obviously, we wouldn't run anything that big, but you get an idea by looking at all right what she had in mind, and uh, we love the idea. Yeah, and we sort of um, worked on it a little bit, got ideas together, and eventually we ended up coming up here to WA to have a meeting with Shane Carrigan to see if we could use the facilities like the car park area to have the um, the markets and that. Okay. And Shane mentioned about TA Goldens, that he was planning to do something with it. So um, we've since brought in the Manor Hamilton Chamber along with us, as well as a couple of members from the Ukrainian community helping us out. Okay. And um, starting on the 10th of December, we will have Santa experience and workshops. We will have two weekends of markets. And on the first Sunday, we will be having um, a Santa-themed fun run. And should mention, all the proceeds of that will go to St. Vincent de Paul. Okay, so this Christmas mark is coming to Manor Hamilton over two weekends before Christmas. Is that right? So That's correct, yeah. The 10th and the 11th, 17th and 18th. Yeah. Uh, so Right beside us here. Right beside us. Uh, well, we know how popular Christmas markets are, as you say, right across Europe. So you, you think this is something that people will buy into, quite literally, and would work? Definitely. We've um, been putting it out on social media an awful lot and an awful lot of interest. And also I must say the, the, the amount of traders that have contacted us. At first we were going out looking for people who had stalls, their crafts and their food st- stuffs and that, but um, now they're coming to us. Word of mouth is spreading and it's what they love to do. They love to do the Christmas market, so without them it wouldn't be happening. And so a big thanks to them for getting in touch with us. Yeah, It makes our job easier and... Hopefully now everything will go by. Okay, and there'll be there's a lot of side events as well which are being held to sort of tie in. There is with, with yeah. the Winterfest. Um, Winterfest has sort of turned into a bit of an umbrella, and we brought in all the things that are happening in the area. Like on the third of December, you have the women's group have their own thing in the Bee Park in Manor Hampton, yeah. their own craft fair. You have the local schools out in Differing and in St Clair's here. They have plays in the Bee Park and in in the Glen Centre. And the Rabbit's Ride Theatre as well are also running three days of 
kids plays in the Glen Centre as well. So there's quite a lot happening. Right, OK. So no more than what the councillor was saying earlier about the fantastic communities there are in North Leitrim. It just needs the support of the people to well, ensure that's it, it's, yeah. a, it's a success. Indeed, yeah. So we hope everybody will come out and support it. You know, um, all we wanted was after a couple of years of doing nothing really and people staying inside with COVID, just to bring a smile back in people's faces and have a good time, get out chatting again, you know. Right, so OK. So uh, you hope, hopefully it'll be an annual event. You're hoping. First of many, hopefully, of yeah. Many. That, okay. that is the plan going forward. Okay. And and the Wild Rose will return as well in due course, will it? Most Remember? definitely. Well, as soon as this... Um, you think so, yeah. As soon as we have this uh, done and dusted, it'll be straight into Wild Rose meetings after that. And yeah. we hope the Chamber as well will join us in that. All right, okay. Well, so. it just shows, I suppose, the, uh, the sense of community there is here, which is important and has helped you as well. Oh, it has, yeah. Like... Uh, like for myself especially, I'm not from the area, I'm originally a Corkman, so coming up here and seeing the sense of community that they do have here is great, make it so easy to fit in and so easy to work with the people here, anything that comes up, they do everything they can to help, so it's great. All right, okay, Finbar, thanks for coming in, we'll let you get back to your bed now. Thank you very after much. After night shift, uh, Winterfest. So it's on the 10th and 11th and the 17th and 18th here in the W8 Centre in Manor Hamilton. Finbar, thanks for joining us. Finbar at Toomey there. We'll take uh, our last break of the morning. We'll be talking with uh, Theresa Maughan of the Manor Boutique here in Manor Hamilton next. Okay, welcome back. We are broadcasting live this morning from uh, Futurecast here at the W8 Centre in uh, Manor Hamilton. Uh, And there's a shop here in Manor Hamilton just a few steps away from us, which has become somewhat of a fashion mecca uh, for women throughout the Northwest and beyond in recent years. And the story behind... Uh, the success story is a very, very interesting one. I'm talking about Manor Boutique run by the Bond sisters, uh, Dipna and Theresa Mon. And Theresa joins us now. Good morning to you, Theresa. Good morning. Thank you and, so much for having and, me. And thanks for joining us. And I'm not wrong, am I? They come uh, from far and wide, don't they, to the Manor Boutique? We are so lucky that we have a, a great following of ladies who love their fashion, passionate about it, and they come to us and they usually, I think, leave very happy. Yeah. Now, as I said... It's a very, very interesting story and you have your mum to credit for a lot of this, isn't that right? Tell us about your mum. Yes. So my mum was involved in the business from day one. She started um, in a local shop when she was 15, I think, or 16, and she learned her trade. And to this day... People will remember, McNamara. Yes, the lady was baby McNamara and she was on the new line. So um, mum went in there from a very early age and... I'd say she was a super help to Baby McNamara. She was really good at her fashion and selling. She used to sew and uh, she got a really good base there and she learned a lot about fashion and design. And back in that day, of course, the clothes were super. They were all Irish and they were all, um, you know, handmade in Ireland. So um, she was involved in fashion at a very nice time when clothes were beautiful then. They weren't manufactured on a huge scale. Right, okay. And she worked in McNamara's from when she was 15, you were saying, until... Until um, she worked there for years and for years. years. Okay. And then she moved to the main street in Manor Hamilton and she bought what was um, Daisy Nixon's business. That was a, like an old boarding house. Yeah. Um, and, and that became her business. That and her became shop. her business. And all, well, she moved her, her family in there. We lived upstairs. And um, she, yeah, it was a really brave move she made yeah. because, you know, times were hard back then. And 
she ran a really su- su- successful business. She yeah. was just just a very natural business lady. And that was Manor of Fashions. That was Manor of Fashions. People remember it, yeah. Yes, and she ran it like everybody would have talked about her shop, how good she was. She was so helpful and kind and, um, you know, altered the clothes for people. And it wasn't just about making money. It was about truly a love of, of business. Yeah. And were, were you bitten by the bug at an early age? So I was, I was. Yeah, I always loved fashion. Uh, she used to take us to Dublin as kids to help her, to the wholesalers. So we used to be walking down uh, Henry Street and O'Connell Street with bags and bags of clothes, with sore hands and um, getting on the train. So, yeah. Um, yeah, from a very early age, we just loved clothes and picking out clothes and colours and designs and everything like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you ended up in the fashion industry then? I did, did I did. I actually... Um, I lived in Dublin for years and um, just before I, I left to, to go to Australia, I got a job in Brown Thomas as a buyer. But I said, you know what, I really want to go to Australia. But I still look back and think, oh my God, I, that would have been a lovely job. But anyway, I went to Australia and... Um, it was just something you wanted to do, just travel? And, yes, yeah. just have a bit of a break from Get work, I system, suppose. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and um, then I met my husband-to-be in Australia and we uh, lived in London for a good few years and Manchester. And while this was going on, my sister was at home running the business. That's dimp now. Yeah, she stuck with mum, God bless her. Um, and um, after a few years anyway, I moved back to Manor Hamilton with my husband, Matthew, and myself and Dipman now run the shop. Mum, I suppose, had done it for so many years. She was burnt out <laughs> in yeah. retail. It's pretty hard going. So Manor Fashions became Manor Boutique. We were right. going very upmarket. We were telling everybody we were going to double the prices and I thought it was a boutique no longer fashions um, but no it's still to be honest really called Mary Mons and Manor Fashions and you never know what the, sh- the, the shop is called um, but yeah w- as I said mum would still dip in and dip out a little bit and maybe what are you buying that for girls and I don't like that and I like this and um, we still love to involve her because obviously she has the eye, always had. You know, if we have a rep in the shop and she's got loads of lovely clothes, we might run up and say, will you come down and have a wee look? What do you like? Um, and people, every single customer, how's your mum? You know, it's just yeah. just Even that still. nice personal touch. Yeah, so Brown Thomas's loss is Manor Hamilton's <laughs> gain. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder. Um, yeah. You know what, there's nothing like having your own shop. You know, I worked in London for the Arcadia Group. That would be Topshop and that chain. And whilst it was really hard work in so much that it took years and years for anyone to reach the top, I was doing jobs I didn't like doing. And I was like, oh my God, I used to go into fairs and shop and now I'm running up and down getting measuring tapes for people. So obviously it was a completely different industry to be in. Um, But I realised, I suppose, how lucky I was to be able to do everything I love in our in our shop and our business because of mum. Why is it so successful? It's because of the brands, Teresa, isn't that right? Yes, we are in obviously a small town and we don't have to fight for brands. So we can get every single top brand that any shop in the country has um, because we're on our own and we're, you know, rural Ireland yeah. um, has its, its advantages. We have Tifosi, we have Rent and Rave, we have Superdry, we have... Um, you know, all of the top brands, I would challenge any shop to say that you, you're not as good as our shop. I, myself and Dipna go around the country any chance we get and we're in every shop checking out labels to see is there anything we're missing because we're so passionate about clothes and fashion. Yeah. And the proof of that is in the pudding because you have customers from right across, not only this region. Uh, yes, yeah, you'll be giving us a big country. head now. No, but I, I, you know, I hear, 
I hear feedback from people I know and people I work with who are not too far away from here and it has a, a very, very good reputation, has it not? Well, you know what, we, we sort of, when people come in, if there's a group of girls together, we leave them alone. We know we don't want, you know, we don't want to interfere in shop assistant annoying your head. And then there might be the odd lady. Yesterday I had a girl and said, I really don't know how to dress myself. And I helped her for for a while and she got loads of lovely stuff and she was really happy leaving. So we sort of judge. We know people um, over the years, whether they want help, whether they don't, you know, to ask for it. Yeah. We're not pushing stock on anyone. We're not at all pushy. We don't sell expensive clothes. We're very much mid-market. Um, we're very lucky. We don't, it's just the two of us girls working. So we're not under huge financial pressure. You know, we're, we're happy yeah. for people to, to, to get nice clothes and to wear them and um, to leave feeling good about themselves. Yeah. And you enjoy it, you do. We love still. it. Yeah. We love clothes. We're, we're all, we're, we're fanatic about business. As I said, when we meet for food for, with a family, my husband is like, will you stop talking shop? We just, it's all, you know, did you get that order? And how is that selling? And such and such got that outfit. It was beautiful on them. So yeah, it's a bit too much sometimes. <laughs> all right, okay. So as you see, you, you, you travel, you do what you have to do and try and be as relevant and as up to speed and up to date yes, customised yes. as possible. We do because we're always on Facebook ourselves and we're always, as I said, checking the local shops. We would hate to be behind. Oh my God, that would be serious. We started doing our videos and they get a huge response. Facebook, people are so good. They, they you know, comment and they like our Facebook posts. We have a great, great loyal customer base. They're very good to us. All right, okay. Right, into what are the trendy brands at the moment then? Or does it change? Um, it does. Some of the brands we thought might work mightn't. Um, Rant and Rave is probably our number one um, seller. Irish company, they're you were saying. Yeah. based in Monaghan and they're a super company and it has got a great following in the town. You know, ladies come specifically to buy Rant and Rave because they know it washes great and it's just very on trend. They've got great designers. Um Lots of other brands. Street One, we've just recently stocked. They're a big European company. Um, and we kind of try and cater for all ages. You know, we do um, sort of any age group. I sh I'm not going to put an age on it because yeah. ladies have, you know, wear different clothes for their, their ages and there's no rules. Um, Rant and Rave, Tiff OC, um, what else? Super Dry, um, um, what did I think? Girl in Mind, we do loads of dresses and we sell them really well. Um, so, yeah, we have party dresses, we have casual gear, we have coats, jackets, um, jeans, um, pretty much across the board. We, we sort of cater for, for everyone and everything. All right, of course, Christmas party season upon us as well, so you'll be, you'll be busy for that as well, I'm yes, sure. Yes, yes, yes. We have loads of nice glitzy dresses in the shop and we have, you know, the leather trousers and nice dressy tops if you don't want to go you know, too glitzy. Um, we have, yeah, we have really every every sort of need covered. Um, a lot of people are kind of going a little bit more casual with their leather leather pants and tops. And But then there's lots of girls getting into their glitzy dresses, depending yeah. how brave you are. Uh, Teresa, thanks for dropping over. And Not good luck Thank with, you with so continued much. success of the business to you and Dimpna and your mum as well. Yes. And all involved. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks very thank much you. For, and for happy joining Christmas us. to all our customers. And thank you so much for supporting our shop. No problem at all. That's okay. Teresa Mohn of the Manor Boutique, just down beside us here in Manor Hamilton. Okay, a couple of minutes left here, live from Futurecast in the WA Centre in Manor Hamilton. And JJ O'Hara joins us again. Uh, JJ, you wanted to mention the Young Entrepreneurs Initiative, which is ongoing. Tell us a little bit about that. And of course, that's of huge importance to you, as you were saying earlier. Yeah, the no, we've, this industry. 
we have uh, young entrepreneurs um, tent at the Winterfest. Yeah. Uh, so the whole idea here is about young people to come with their innovative ideas, uh, you know, to sell their product to the local community. And we'll have a prize given. So first prize is 200, second is 100, and third is uh, 50. We'll have secret judges going around uh, judging it. Uh, we'll have about 20 different tables for young people. And we want the schools to buy into this right across Sligo and Leitrim. Uh, you know, so it's in two weeks' time, we'll be talking to schools and we'll have a bookend page uh, up and running by this evening. So the whole idea here with the Winterfest is about drawing the young people and getting their ideas, you know, and getting and if it's, hey, it can be the smallest or the biggest idea for what they can sell. So we'll have a tent at the Winterfest uh, with uh, desks out that they can sell their product at. Right, and it can be anybody, any product at all. Any Just product, any young person, you know, so the whole idea is a young person in, in secondary or in junior school, but the whole idea is them thinking what they can sell. It can be from a, a paper plane and fly into whatever and making a cake, you know, but it's about entrepreneurship and about how can we bring our towns and villages back. We need to buy into the young people. Right, well, we were talking about that earlier, bringing our towns and villages back with the councillors. You feel passionately that... Uh, areas like this need to be allowed thrive and survive uh, yeah, the future. D- definitely, you know, what have happened here at WH Centre, this was a derelict site three years ago. Today we have uh, 60 jobs uh, added and it's just growing and we have more companies joining us here, you know, and it's with different projects like the Winterfest, you know, with a bike run going on in the Bank Holiday August we had last year with the uh, Leitrim Glens. Uh, you have the show weekend here. You know, it's about, you know, where business and community can mix together to actually develop and develop the region. 